It's the JT The Brick Show. And now Jacoby Myers spinning around. He throws it to Chandler Jones in midfield. Interstiffle! Chandler Jones racing towards the end zone. It scores! Oh my goodness! Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Now he leans towards the line, gets the snap. Raiders bring a blitz. He takes up off the middle. And he's wrapped up from behind. Guess who? Max Crosby with the sack as he races over to the far sideline. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Open Adams at the 35. Racing to the 20. 10. Touchdown Raiders. And now, here's JT the Brit. Out of the gate, JT with you. Thanks for listening today. Busy day today on the flagship of the silver and black. Raider Nation Radio. 920 AM and on that Raiders mobile app. Keep telling everybody about the mobile app. You get everything that we have there. All the podcasts we do from the Raiders, and the Raiders stream our shows live. So any Raider fan anywhere in the world should have that Raiders mobile app for free. There's a lot of content. We look at it a lot. We have the people that put that content together on the show, and we enjoy it. So the Raiders mobile app, when you see someone, I always tell people, let me see your phone. Do you got our app? And I'm like, you're a Raider fan, and you don't have the Raiders app? Look, you don't have to have my Twitter. You don't have to have anything. But have the Raiders mobile app there because then you can share that with your friends and tell them about our show and all the content that we have. We'd really appreciate that. Download that mobile app for free and listen to the shows and everything that we got there. So we're on there. We're on our way to L.A. tomorrow. Tomorrow after the show, I'm going to head to Los Angeles for a few days, and we'll get ready for the Rams game. Travis Rogers will join us from the flagship of the Rams ESPN 710 in about an hour and a half. Also today, Jeff Sherman, uh, Senior VP of Risk Management, is going to get into some of the moving lines and how to bet the preseason. And also Johnny Katz will join us, our entertainment insider and reporter in town. He's in the press box. He covers the Raiders and the breaking news that happens with casinos opening, closing. How about a Virgin Hotel might bring back the center bar where I met my wife. That would be pretty good. Been talking about that for a while, so he's going to give us an update on some concerts that are coming up. What to do for fun here, because there's a lot of fun. I didn't share this story. We had the Raiders alumni party at Omnia the other night on Saturday night. The game was on Sunday. And I come from the mean streets of Summerlin, and normally I come down Spring Mountain, and I go through the back. But there was an accident, so I didn't get over to Spring Mountain, so I ended up on the Strip. I ended up on the Strip by the Mirage. Wow, what a mistake that was. I just had to go from the Mirage to Caesars. It took me 35, 40 minutes because some type of construction. I don't know where they're actually at with the F1. I don't, get, I don't go on the strip much with my car, so I don't know when it is. I don't know what to look at. I don't know what website says stay away from here. We have the Sphere, and people just want to drive around the looky-loos on the strip, want to see the Sphere now, and they want to drive down the strip. And I just knew if it took me... 35, 40 minutes to go one block. What about everyone behind me? That was coming from Circa down the strip to Mandalay Bay. So it is kind of chaotic driving around here now. Uh, but we don't have any games coming up till week three. We don't play until Sunday night football a long, long time from now. Do you know before we see each other at the next Raider game, the Raiders would have played in SoFi Stadium this upcoming weekend, Saturday against the Rams, Dallas at Jerry Jones, then we're going to play in Denver at Mile High and in Buffalo. It's a lot of travel. That's an extreme amount of travel. Now, the preseason games here on the West Coast are fine by me. The Niners came in, the short trip to Los Angeles, but the Raiders are going out there in advance. 
And then a decent amount of time to get to Dallas. Not easy to get in and out of Dallas for a preseason game. And then we'll go from 90 players to 53. Here's one of the topics that I want to give you in the monologue. And this is an important topic. And I told Bobby we might be a week early on this, but let's go. I need things to talk about today. There's not a lot to talk about, period, in sports today. There's some James Harden news. There's a little bit of activations, Aaron Rodgers and hard knocks. But I want to focus on the Raiders today. What do you believe Dave Ziegler's next big signing needs to be from another team? I think it's a great topic. I talked to Dave the other night. I did not ask him this. But the rosters are going from 90 to 53, which is a free-for-all for GMs to go get players that they don't have that are all going to hit the street on the same day. Now, of course, some of these guys are going to make the practice squad. So they're going to be under team control on the practice squad. But the ones that are available... And I don't want names. I want position group. Where do you think Dave Ziegler can give you one more gift? Because the team looks pretty good. The team's got a lot of good players. A lot of good players on this team. They're deeper than I've seen them on defense in quite some time. The offense is bleeping loaded, loaded, if they're able to stay healthy. And I'm assuming they're all going to stay healthy. We're not going to see Devontae in the preseason. I doubt we're going to see Jimmy G. Michael Mayer is not available. He should be ready to go. Uh, Tyree Wilson is very close to coming back, very close. Maybe he practices in L.A. So with all that happening, what do you think the priorities should be for Dave Ziegler? I'll go first. They got to get a linebacker. Bingo. Bobby just says bingo. They got to get a linebacker, not because of the starters, Spillane and Diablo. And then if as I look through the depth of this team, it's not the problem of the Raiders not having anybody at linebacker. They don't have any depth. They don't have the type of depth that very good teams have. So Dave Ziegler could come on and get a, get a linebacker that could start on this team or be someone you could put into a package and be a really good player. Because Robert Spillane, Divine Diablo, and Luke Masterson pretty much are going to be the starters. I called Curtis Bolton's name a lot in that first game, and I like the play of uh, Mari Burney, who's the converted safety who moved over to linebacker. He looked pretty good. I like him a lot. I think he's a player with some upside. Drake Thomas... Mauga, they have some players there, but I think one more linebacker coming in, a Denzel Perryman type of player. Denzel Perryman was a great example. Came to the Raiders, gave the Raiders a couple of good years. Maybe you'll see a player like that. Larry Kruger last week, uh, who's a he's a platform guy up in San Francisco, been at KMBR forever. He pulled me aside on the on his podcast and on the phone and on this show and said he wouldn't be surprised if Dave Ziegler signed a 49er linebacker after the joint practices because the Niners are seven deep at linebacker. I'm talking starters. Did you hear what I said? The Niners have seven starting linebackers and two of the best in the league and Fred Warner. And if you look at Greenway and the players that they have, they are deep. Maybe because Dave was able to watch practice closely on that side of the field. He has a linebacker from the 49ers. He can pick up the phone and call John Lynch, who he worked with in Denver, and they can work out a deal. The second choice for me would be a right tackle. For everybody who wants to go with a Luminor, I'm fine with that. Mumford, I'm fine with that. But if a good right tackle is released because a team's got a couple of them, two of them, and it was a position battle, and they don't want to turn that one into a swing guy, go get a right tackle. So I went first. My priorities are get another linebacker from 90 to 53, get a right tackle if available. So I gave you offensive line. I gave you linebacker. I think we're pretty set, season ticket holders. I think we're set in the secondary. 
Christopher Smith II, I think is a good young player. Marcus Epps, Trayvon Merrig, Rod- Roderick Teamer, Jaquan Johnson, Isaiah Polamal is a very good player. I think he's going to play a lot. And then they went out and got Marcus Peters, who's going to start at one of the cornerback positions. And Jacorian Bennett has an opportunity to start as a rookie. If you got another cornerback, then why do you have all these other cornerbacks if you're going to get another one? Do you really need another cornerback if you're going to sit here with the ones that you have, like Amik Robertson, David Long, Duke Shelley? I don't know how good they are. I don't. I've been to a handful of practices. I called the game. I can't tell you how good they are. They're not Marcus Peters, and they're not Jacorian Bennett when it comes to the future of this team having a potential young, fast, shutdown corner. So maybe you're going to call me and say, go get a corner. I'd be shocked if you called me on wide receiver. The wide receiver room's closed. It's closed. There's a lock on the door. we got the really good wide receivers. And I think we're pretty good at running back. They went out and got a bunch of running backs. For those and everybody who's concerned about Josh Jacobs, I'm not. Unfortunately, Josh Jacobs is going to have to play on the franchise tag. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. And it's just a timing when he comes back and plays. We'd like him sooner than later so the Raider trainers can work him out and the strength and conditioning team can check his endurance because he hasn't been around for a while. But Josh is really good with his body, a very dedicated football player. So I'm not concerned about that there. I'm happy at quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo, Brian Hoyer. Hoyer's a very good backup. And then we saw Aiden O'Connell play. I was telling my wife yesterday when I came home, she said, how's the show? And I said, I'm, I'm disappointed in Raider Nation. She said, what do you mean? I go, they didn't call in on Aiden O'Connell. Media didn't, the media nationally, ESPN, everybody didn't cover the story. I throw out a tweet. I got like a thousand retweets on the tweet that they screwed us with Aiden O'Connell. And I didn't hear enough Raider fans yesterday to my level, to my level, that where I want to want the show to be at every day, talking enough about Aiden O'Connell. He's our quarterback, man. He's our guy. He's our backup quarterback. And a lot of people around the league are very impressed with him. So if you didn't get a chance to call me after the game, on Aiden O'Connell, let me know about that. I go back to running back. The depth of the running back department's pretty good. Josh Jacobs, Amir White, Amir Abdullah, Brandon Bolden. I think mean, they got a lot of guys to play running back. Jakob Johnson at fullback is a very good fullback. Another big topic in the game was the fact that they were using the tight end position. They were using the tight ends to block instead of having a fullback in there because they didn't want to play Jakob, which I was fine with. Why would you want to do that? So they were finding a way to line up a tight end in the backfield there, which was pretty cool. And then Sincere McCormick. I got a chance to call his touchdown. I like the way he runs, catches the ball out of the backfield. I think he's a pretty good player. I don't know what's going to happen with him. Other teams probably looking at him as he's being showcased. I think this guy can ball. Sincere McCormick is in the backfield about five yards back. Arbus rolls right, rolls right, hits McCormick, touchdown. Las Vegas Raiders. Sincere McCormick with the short touchdown grab, and the Raiders are blowing this one open in Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. I like him. He played well in the game, got a chance to call his touchdown there. That was a lot of fun. Wide receiver looks close to me. The door's fine. I think we're good at tight end. Uh, People are asking me if I'm concerned about the lack of availability for Michael Mayer. Not really. I think he's a big guy. I don't know exactly what's going on with him. It'd be nice to get him out there in Los Angeles to play in the joint practices. I don't care if he plays in the game or not. He played at the highest level at Notre Dame. And then the rest of the offensive line, Andre James, Dylan Parham, Colton Miller, all look good to me. Justin Heron can play. Everybody's talking about Jordan Meredith. Thayer Mumford, Brandon Parker, 
Craig Van Roten. Those guys can play. The question is Dalton Wagner. He had a great chart. Everybody's reviewing Dalton Wagner, the offensive lineman. He played well in this game. He absolutely played well in this game. 6'8", 320 pounds out of Arkansas. This guy can play as a rookie, and he turned some heads in that last game. And again, I don't know much about him other than his player bio that I read, but he looked good in that game. There were a couple of people who showcased him and got some cut-ups of him and said, look at him. Raiders won that game 34-7, to and the big topic coming off the game is everybody freaking out on the Niners. Ooh, man, the bloggers up there. There's a lot of people up in the Bay Area who don't have radio shows, but they have blocks. And there's nothing wrong with that. People, people, I'm not making fun of that. That That's a, the evolution of radio now. Radio stations, some are going away. Podcasts are becoming real, and people are trying to get clicks on YouTube. And there is a lot of blogger-on-blogger crime up in San Francisco as everybody's competing for clicks and uh, using Trey Lance to go compete for those clicks. Oh, my God, sky is falling. Trey Lance, oh, my God, three first-round picks for him. What do we do? Do we trade him, showcase him? And then you got Brock Purdy. I said this, I swear on my kids. If, if the Niners had Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady out of retirement, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, I think they'd win two, three Super Bowls out of four. If the Niners had a quarterback other than Brock Purdy, let me say this again, I do not believe in Brock Purdy. I believe in Aiden O'Connell as much as Brock Purdy. Okay, Brock Purdy played you know, a, a nice college career at times, and he played well last year on a very good team, very good roster. The ball came out quick. You're telling me if Aiden O'Connell played last year for the Niners? He couldn't get the ball out quick and make the same throws. Did you hear what I said? The media is not talking about that. After watching Aiden O'Connell, close your eyes unless you're driving and saying, Aiden O'Connell went in the fourth round. Okay, Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant. He was the last pick. Let's just say we swapped Purdy and Aiden O'Connell, and Aiden O'Connell was up there. They'd be saying the same thing about Aiden O'Connell. Got the ball out quickly. Very accurate. Brock Purdy wasn't an elite runner outside the pocket. But he played on the best roster in maybe all of football. Now everyone likes Brock Purdy. Now, Brock Purdy's won some games and some playoff games. So I'll slow my roll with Aiden O'Connell. But, again, I don't know how you could have that good of a team and go into the season with just Brock Purdy. And they're actually not. They're going into the season with Sam Darnold and Trey Lance and Brock Purdy. And they're not happy about it. Up there, up north in Santa Clara, they're not happy. Because they know that Purdy could regress a bit. Year two, there's going to be more tape on him, more film, more defensive coordinators with the game tape, looking at his tendencies, and he might not be as good. I mean, come on, everybody. Russell Wilson regressed. Russell Wilson's going to the bleeping Hall of Fame, and he's not playing well. And everyone's like, Brock Purdy? Brock Purdy ain't going to the Hall of Fame. I can promise you that. So the Niner fans who came here, they had a good time. And again, I don't, I don't lose my mind. I don't fight in the concourse. I don't fight in the parking lot. Niner fans came. Raider fans came. Everybody had a good time. Everybody loves Allegiant Stadium. The other topic also is the tickets. What's going on with the tickets? People are, people are buying Raider tickets. What do you want me to do? Let me stand outside and scan by, by JT the Brick, one of those scanner things, you know, those beep, beep, and then have me check everyone, their IDs, where they live, their fandom. Everyone have to show a Raider Nation card or not. That's not going to change anytime soon until the Raiders win a lot of games, win a lot of playoff games. People are going to go and buy tickets to come into our building because it's the best time in all of football. 
I think it's the best building. I think it's better than SoFi. SoFi is very generic, very nice, very expensive, much more expensive than Allegiant, much more. But we have a Raiders stadium that looks like the Raiders. SoFi kind of looks like it's the home it's the home stadium of Taylor Swift. You know what I mean? That should call it Taylor Swift Stadium. It'd be a great name. Yeah, she can afford it. She can buy the rights. Billions of dollars. You don't know that the Rams play there or the Chargers play there. They just change the paint scheme. You never have any idea. And it's in Inglewood. I lived in L.A. for 10 years. I didn't go to Inglewood. I don't want to go to Inglewood. I want to go to Vegas. I want to walk over the bridge at Mandalay Bay and then after the game walk back over the bridge at Mandalay Bay being a casino. Be in a nightclub, be at a party, have a nice restaurant. Do something like that. You, can't, you ever heard of anybody in their life having dinner in Inglewood after a sporting event? Ever. Once. Have you ever heard anybody ever say in their life, after the game at MetLife Stadium in the swamp in New Jersey, or after the game at SoFi in Inglewood, oh yeah, we just walked over and got a steak. No, never happened. Never happened at all because it's Inglewood, it's MetLife in a swamp in Jersey. Does people stay around after a Bengals game? You know the Bengals, I watched their practice yesterday. They did something on NFL Live. They practice underneath a bridge next to their stadium. How big of a dump is that compared to what we have in Deep Henderson out there? How beautiful that is. But that doesn't win you games. Raider fans don't care if you practice under a bridge. You practice in a moat. Wherever you are, you want to win games. I think on this last game, we saw that the Raiders can win some games if they're healthy and the scheme is tight. My biggest takeaway from the game. Uh, my spotter in the game was a guy named Mike Taylor. Been with the Raiders longer than anybody. I think he's the longest tenured employee now, going back to Al Davis. He said that he would tap me on the shoulder when the play clock got under five seconds. I don't recall him tapping me on the shoulder. Uh, they called the timeout once or twice when it got down. But last year, I screamed and yelled at the postgame show. I lost my mind last year every game as Derek Carr took the play clock down to one second. It drove me nuts. I couldn't understand how one of the greatest play callers of all time and a nine-year quarterback couldn't get the playoff before 1.1 seconds every time. That's got to change, and I think it did change in the last game. Coach McDaniels talked about the communication and what happened there. I thought the coaches did a good job. Patrick Graham, the D coordinator, was up in the booth right next to it. He's sitting right next to Lincoln Kennedy on the glass. He's calling the game from up there. He's called the game from the field. Maybe he goes up top. This year he sees the field better. But wasn't it great to watch the game, everybody, and not see the soft pillow in the middle of the field? You know, that, that abyss, that Bermuda Triangle of death from the you know, five yards off the line of scrimmage to 20 where everybody just played pitch and catch against the Raiders last year. And I guess we didn't have the players to defend it at all. So every offensive coordinator... Every quarterback just said, hey, run a little eight-yard in route. No, you you go run a little uh, nine-yard out route. There's no one there. There's no one there. We got no one who can cover. We got no one who can cover the middle of the field. Now we got Spillane. We got Epps. Merrick seems to have been told, you get your butt down in that box from time to time and get your hand in a pile and knock a ball down. And that's happening. I'm seeing it in practice. Hopefully we see it at the joint practices with the Rams. I think it's a good time to be optimistic if you're a Raider fan coming off that game. If this was the regular season, we'd spend two days, Monday and Tuesday, recapping the winner of the loss. I don't have to spend two days recapping a preseason game, but I do think we owe Aiden O'Connell a bit of a do-over. Now that you've had a couple of days to absorb how he played and kind of give him a bit of a pat on the back for the way he played.
Mikey in Staten, Italy. Start us off, Mike. How are you in New York? Hey, JT, doing well. A couple of things. The, the first thing I want with the Raiders is, you're right, I need a linebacker. The guy I have in mind is Anthony Barr, a veteran guy, former first-round pick for the Vikings. He'll give us a veteran leadership. He's smart. He's out there, and he's very affordable, uh, one thing. The second thing I got from this game was I saw a burst in, in white, the running back, that I didn't see last year. Yeah. He was hitting the holes. He was running. He was, looked like he was running downhill. I loved it. And the most important thing I saw was the, the coach's philosophy. I know it's just an exhibition game, but last year we lost all those leads with double-digit leads. He kept the pedal to the metal, and I think that's one of the biggest things that I take out of that, that game that I saw on Sunday. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Yeah, I appreciate it. The pedal to the metal, they won the game. 34-7, to they turned it over. You know, you had a Sam Webb interception, a Zamir White touchdown. They turned the ball over, they knocked balls down. The only touchdown they gave up should have been an interception in the end zone. The final score should have been 34-0. The only score that the Niners got was on a incomplete a deflection. It was a miracle catch there. Yeah, there, there is some truth to what Mike said. The Raiders played hard to put that game away, but they did that last year, too. Last year, they went 4-0 in the preseason. I will not go down the road. I'll be very positive and optimistic about the play, but the preseason games mean nothing. Wins or losses. I'm not crazy about it. Win one, lose one, I don't care. Keep everybody healthy and get improved. Play improved and go from there. We want to see what's going to happen. The Jets are going to go with Dalvin Cook. He's going to be their running back as they activated their young stud running back who got hurt last year, Brees Hall. So Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook for the Jets. That's important because the Raiders play the Jets right here in Las Vegas. And the Jets are loading up a pretty big roster. One of the games that I thought that the Raiders probably win, I still think they can win. I have no doubt they can beat Aaron Rodgers here at home. But the Jets have a very good roster. Joe in Vegas on 920. What's happening, Joe? Hey, JT, I got to agree with you 100%. I, I watched Ada O'Connell mm-hmm. in the Big Ten championship game, and he took he took Michigan to the fourth quarter. And all through, I, every time when I tried to call, I wanted the Raiders to get two guys, Myers from Notre Dame and his kid from Purdue. Mm-hmm. I went to one of the Raiders' practices. I was invited out there because I'm a season ticket holder, and I went to every game last year. And that dude was throwing some dimes out there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that kid's got an arm. And freaking, I was very impressed with him. I was impressed with the Raiders on Sunday. The coaching looked better. You can't get too excited like I did last year. I went down that rabbit hole Mm -hmm. during preseason and got myself into a frenzy. But I think we are treading in the right direction. And Raider Nation needs to be patient. This coaching staff and this front office will make this happen for us. Nice. Appreciate the call. Very encouraging phone call there about Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels trying to improve the team from the six-win team from last year. And it should have been a better team last year other than those brutal losses, including the one in L.A., the Baker Mayfield game. You know, that's the seventh win. The Kyler Murray running around down 20 points. That's the Kyler Murray game. That gets you to eight wins. The Jacksonville game up double digits. Should have been an easy win. Not a win, an easy win. That gets you to nine wins. I go down the list. The only game they didn't show up was in New Orleans. They didn't get the ball past midfield in New Orleans. Didn't get it past midfield. They got boat raced in that game. Every other game they were in. Every other game they had a lead or they lost or they had won those games, the six wins. 
the five double-digit leads, that's 11 games. Most of the games they were in, but you don't get a juice box and you don't get a trophy for being in games and losing. you got to win the games. And this year, the defense just seems to be better. I, I can feel it. I can feel that Epps and Merrick are going to play better on the back end. I can feel that Marcus Peters is going to get a couple interceptions, but i got to see it. I hope it happens, but we have to see it to believe it. PTs fuels the monologue, 5 to 7, midnight to 2, the best happy hour in town. they got a lot going on with us over at the Strat. We'll be doing select remotes coming up here during football season. A lot of our partners are going to associate and do dual remotes with us. So we could do something, say, at a casino with Modelo, or we can do something with Remy Martin at Resorts World. We could do something with PTs and the Strats with one of our other liquor companies like Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. So we're going to be doubling up and taking the show on the road because that's what we do, and we're excited about that. And the Black Hole is a proud partner of the show. Go to theblackhole.com, click on membership, and get your membership so you can show up for that Steelers game with brand-new Black Hole gear. And you can wear that under your jersey. Oh, you know, I'll just wear a Black Hole shirt. Come to the tailgate. Go to the pregame parties. they got a lot lined up for you. Coming up, we'll have Jeff Sherman in about 20 minutes on the moving lines. What's, what's happening in the preseason? People like to bet preseason football because you could get good knowledge. The knowledge the other day was Patrick Mahomes and Carr and the first teams are going to start in Kansas City and New Orleans. The knowledge was San Francisco and the Raiders weren't going to play any of the starters. You could gamble and win money in the preseason. And if you don't have a, bad, a big bankroll, give it a shot. Allen looking deep over the middle, intercepted, picked off, it was tipped. Raiders coming in on return, down to the five. Brought down, get in, down to the two-yard line. Sam Webb on the interception. Another big play by the Raider defense. Sam Webb's interception as we broadcast on the Raiders Radio Network. JT with you. Remy Martin, we team up for excellence with all their brands. Remy Quantro. You make a beautiful margarita, you need the Cointreau in it. Remy Martin, our proud partner here on Raider Nation Radio as we continue on. So what does Dave Ziegler, what should he have on his radar for you, the Raider Nation, to maybe add one more player when we go from 90 to 53? I bring that up today because another joint practice coming up to see the Rams. And when the Rams recently won the Super Bowl, the strength of that team was their defense. Aaron Donald, the best player in football, the best player offense or defense in football with Mahomes see the Mahomes or Aaron Donald now they're not as good as they used to be because they went all in and won the Super Bowl and I would be fine with that too with the Raiders the Raiders went in all in and won a Super Bowl and then for two three other years maybe you know I got to get rid of some guys I'm all good with that everybody wants to get a ring you do it the Rams did it and now they're putting the pieces back together again I'm hearing off the record that Matthew Stafford is not feeling great Hasn't been the same for a while, but he got his ring. His legacy's pretty set. I wouldn't call him a Hall of Famer, but he's real close. He's got the yards, and he's got the ring. Unlike Phillip Rivers, Eli Manning's got two. I think he's in there. Uh, he's a good player. Matthew Stafford played most of his career in Detroit, then flipped over to the Rams and got it. Jalen Ramsey gone. He got injured this year. If you look at the strength of that team, Cooper Cup, the wear and tear on Cooper Cup's been pretty aggressive. Over the last couple of years, I think you'd admit that. Cooper Cup's been banged up a lot for a small, undersized guy. 
and now Cooper Cup, don't expect to see him, but that'd be a great test if he was 100% healthy to go up against the Raiders. The big news today is the, the Colts decided to go with Anthony Richardson as their starting quarterback. I'm not surprised. They're all in on him. They need to see him play. He was the fourth overall draft pick. They have problems with Jonathan Taylor and the owner. This kid's going to make a lot of mistakes this year. He's competing with veteran Gardner Minshew. If they played Gardner Minshew, they'd win more games. But this is a smart decision. Let the young kid play. He is going to progress. He's going to make some beautiful, aggressive plays outside the pocket. And then you're going to scratch your head. He's going to turn it over and look like it's Pop Warner. But you got to get the ability for your young quarterback to prove if he can play. Look what happened with Jalen Hurts. Look at some of the young quarterbacks that have played early and how good they are. You don't want them to wait. Problem in San Francisco is Trey Lance. Trey Lance, they wanted to see play a little bit, but he hasn't proven that he could stay on the field. And some of the other news that is out there, the Cowboys, they, they ain't probably the best interior offensive lineman in all of football. Plus, they have Zach Martin now agreed to a rework deal. If you look at what's happening here with the Cowboys, this deal that just went down in Oxnard, California, Jerry Jones came to an agreement with the right guard, Zach Martin. Zach Martin is the best guard in the NFL, no debate. Well, you only do this if you're going to win a Super Bowl. You want to win a Super Bowl. Martin signed the deal that's going to guarantee him $36 million over just the next two seasons. That's a lot of money to pay for an interior offensive lineman. And that $36 million is up from 27.5 because he held out. Now, you're going to get a guy who's going to play two seasons at $36 million. Guaranteed. $36 million to play right guard. And Josh Jacobs, who led the league in rushing, is getting a little over 10. That's the market. I, I wish the market was higher. I wish the market was what Zach Martin's getting. So a lot of Raider fans are scratching their head. How is Zach Martin getting $36 million over the next two years? And Josh Jacobs is playing for a little over $10 million. That's where the market is. It sucks. I wish it was a little bit higher. But some of the deals that are coming down the pipe now are very important. Dalvin Cook to the Jets. So they're going to have a two-headed monster with the Jets and Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and the offensive rookie of the year at wide receiver. So the Jets are going to be much better. And they're pretty good on defense with Sauce Gardner and what they have up front with that pass rush. And the Raiders have to see them. Every day I look at the Raiders' schedule. Every day. For, for an array of reasons. One, I like to road trip. Uh, B, my friends like to road trip, and we're trying to figure out what's going to go on and how many friends are going to come out here and want to go to games. This Raiders schedule, I was on a radio show the other day in Buffalo because we're coming up there playing. I was a guest on the uh, afternoon drive show in Buffalo. That's their home opener. A lot of Raider fans are going to that. There's a bunch of booster clubs in Rochester, New York, in Buffalo asking me to come. Really good game. I just wish it wasn't the home opener for the Buffalo Bills. I wish it was like the fourth or fifth week. Uh, the weather's going to be good. That'll be an advantage to the Raiders. That game is September 17th. It'll be warm in Buffalo, and the Raiders played in more adverse conditions than the Bills did at St. John Fisher in Rochester, New York. And the cardio for the Raiders should be better than Buffalo because Max is running them after practice, and they should be good to play in that game. Buffalo's just got a much better roster. Then the home opener will be Pittsburgh. That'll be... On 9:24 at 5:20 p.m. here on NBC Sunday Night Football, and then we go to the Chargers. So the first quarter of the season is brutal. Okay, you break up the season in quarters. The first quarter is brutal. 
because three out of the four games are on the road. And that makes it tough. And I think the Raiders have to find a way to win at Denver. If the Raiders win at Denver, then I believe that they could go into Pittsburgh either 2-0, 1-1, most likely 1-1 if they want to against Pittsburgh, and then come out against the Chargers in L.A. and have a home game. That's a home game for them as they'll have more Raider fans there. Big storyline for the Silver and Black is being prepared to play Denver. And as I'm doing my Bronco research and homework for that first game, Denver's not having a great camp. They're not having a great camp. It's not as smooth as people think there. But I think that Sean Payton will get it right. He'll finally get it right, and they can go down that decision process of how much they're going to play Russell Wilson the rest of the preseason. Lamar Jackson looks okay. He's going to be ready to roll for Baltimore. A lot of people have Baltimore as one of the top teams to beat. Uh, NBA news today, it's all about James Harden. James Harden is out in China. China calling Daryl Morey, his boss, a liar. Well, i got a couple of problems with this one. That's his boss. I don't get on the radio here and talk about my boss and call him a liar. Or I should be fired. Fired. Lose my benefits. Lose my job. But Harden can do it all he wants. And Daryl Morey is a liar quote. I will never be part of an organization that he's part of. Okay, he's saying that in China where Daryl Morey came to the defense of Taiwan in what's happening with their situation in China. So it's a black eye. I think this Harden guy's a bum. I wouldn't pay him. I'd let the guy rot on the bench. I wouldn't move him at all. I'd make life miserable for him. The Sixers have had a couple of conversations with the L.A. Clippers. That's where Harden is desired to go to. Who gives a crap where he wants to go? I'd send him to an outpost in the NBA. Go send him to Sacramento or Portland. Sacramento's a vastly improved team. I don't even think the fans in Sacramento want Harden. Harden led the league in assists. He's a good offensive scorer, but he's a cancer overall. The Sixers agreed to search out a trade upon Harden's request after he agreed to pick up the $35.6 million player option. What a scam the NBA is. Harden had the option to say, okay, pay me the 35.6. I'm going to opt in. He gets that money fully guaranteed, and then he says he wants to trade. (laughs) I can't make this up. The guy basically is saying, I don't want to play for you, but I'm going to opt in to get paid by you, and then I'm insisting you trade me. What other sport can that happen in? What other sport can that happen in? And then the last storyline I want to bring up here, because this show always speaks highly, highly, highly of the ladies. We love when women call in. God, I love when the ladies call in. Sage Steele is out at ESPN. Quote, she wants to exercise her First Amendment rights more freely. Wow. So she took ESPN to court and won. And I guess there's not a gag order on the way out. She won. She said she won. And now she said she wants her freedom of speech. The last I looked, do you not have a freedom of speech at ESPN or Fox? Last I looked, you can say stuff. You, you'll get a lot of clickbait. You'll get in trouble. Fans will be mad at you, but you're allowed to speak. Here's what she said on Twitter, leaving the network. Quote, having successfully settled my case with ESPN Disney, I've decided to leave so I can exercise my First Amendment rights more freely. I am grateful for the so many wonderful experience over the past 16 years, and I'm excited for the next chapter. So that's the update on Sage Steel. 
I watch everything as a sports talk host. Everything. I watch ESPN Get Up. Stephen A. Smith's a friend. I watch a little bit of Fox Sports 1. I got a couple of buddies who still work there. But most of their product is garbage. Garbage. And my sons are, you know, my youngest son's going back to college tomorrow. He's going back to ASU for his junior year. Man, that's going fast. And my oldest son who just started a job is still living at home with us for a little bit. And they watch all of their sports on their phone. All in two, three-minute chunks. I'm different. I get a coffee. I go outside. I got a TV. I watch. I don't have a notepad in front of me, but I keep an eye on all of it. I could tell you that in the last year and a half to two years, the shows on cable sports television in the morning are garbage. They are absolute garbage. And there's some good people still out there. Again, I mentioned Stephen A., and you can look up on these shows. But what they're doing now every day is so outside the box on what they're talking about. I'm all for inclusion. I want more and more women on TV, athletes, African-Americans, minorities. You'll never hear a problem with me on all of that. Just the content is garbage. And we're trying to get more people to go to podcasts and watch podcasts and listen to podcasts, which are probably better than what I'm seeing on cable sports in the morning. I don't watch anything in the afternoon. After, after I, get, I get home here at 2 o'clock, 2.10, off. I watch Golf Channel. I watch Sports Center, possibly. I watch PTI. I like PTI because they give us some topics. And then other than that, I watch a little bit of, bit of NFL Network. And then I'm usually on the radio. And there's headlines that I look at. And I do get all my headlines, most of them, from ESPN.com. They, they do put up good topics for me to digest. But the talent that we're seeing now and the people that are losing their jobs or leaving for their right for freedom of speech. So now what is Sage Steele going to do because she has an added freedom of speech to go out and take her career to the next level? Yeah, both of them, um, you know, did did some good things. Um, I thought both of them were challenged. This is a really, like I said, this is a really good front. So, um, you know, they got a decent chunk during the week. And then, you know, each of them had a handful of drives uh, yesterday in the game, too. So, um, <clears throat> you know, some some good, some positive, And then uh, a few things that I think our entire tackle group can learn from relative to playing that style uh, of defense. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm pleased with the way they're going about it. They're competing hard. I think they're making one another better, uh, that whole group. And, um, you know, look forward to seeing the, the challenges that we're going to see this week, too. Illuminor and Mumford on the right side. That it's truly is a battle. I don't know where it's going to be. I'd give Illuminor the edge slightly, but I'm not breaking down film in the trenches looking at exact footwork here. But Lincoln Kennedy is, and we'll have Lincoln on. We'll talk to Lincoln as I'll be broadcasting the game with him. From Los Angeles on Saturday. We went from a Sunday game to Allegiant Stadium. Now a Saturday game as we continue. Jeff Sherman joins us every two weeks on this time Tuesday over at the beautiful Westgate. Everything's going on there. The Superbook is there. He's the VP of Risk Management and the Golf Odds Maker. Jeff, I think what Lucas Glover is doing could quite possibly be the greatest comeback in golf history, in the history of the sport, if he wins the FedEx Cup. I don't think he will win the FedEx Head Cup, but he's pretty close. 
How have you been monitoring this? What have you seen with the odds? Uh, large fluctuations. That's what it's been. Uh, you know, cashing last week after he won the week before at the Wyndham, uh, he was 60 to 1 last week. He went off, had a lot of support with the back to back wins. And now he's in a 50 man field this week at the BMW. And I bumped his odds up to 50 to 1 because I'm one of those that say three in a row against this type of field, I have to see it. But his odds for the FedEx Cup going into last week were 500 to 1. And now he's oh. down to 16 to 1. 500 to 1 down to 16 to 1. I watched Brandel Chambly on Golf Channel. He talked about the history of what he's doing with the putter for a guy who had to go to the Corn Ferry Tour, who had the yips with his putter. Can you put in perspective the six, seven putts he made out of five feet up to 30 feet this past week and, and financially how that moved the needle for him and the storyline behind his bad putter historically? It was incredible. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen anything like that since uh, Rom won the BMW a few years ago, uh, mm-hmm. doing making like a 65-footer. But in those type of moments, to make putts like that, to get him in the playoff and then have the fortune of Cantley hitting in the water. But the putts alone that he made on the back nine were incredible. And just to hold that together and the speed, the line and everything. So, yeah, financially, what you mentioned, I mean, what a difference it's made. Now, it's vaulted him. Just a few few months ago, he wasn't even in the, the top 70 to qualify for these playoffs. And now he's staring right at the Tour Championship. He's obviously, you know, being in third position, he, he's going to qualify for that next week. And we all know how lucrative that is where he can win the $10 million prize. Yeah, you can win that. Jeff Sherman is our guest. One more thing on this. For a 43-year-old golfer to do this, I was there when he won the U.S. Open at Beth Page Black from my hometown. That's one of the toughest courses in the world that he won. So he's always had the game and the ability to do it. But you know, once he turned 40, usually you're on the back end of your career. You're not as good. You know you're not as good. You're playing for paychecks and travel and the opportunity. How could this sport change that dramatically for someone what do you think clicked as you set the odds for this sport where someone can go from being almost out of the picture to potentially being a part of the greatest turnaround in the history of golf i think a lot of it has to do with coaching and going through and and finding some new techniques and we Mm -hmm. saw that resurgence with ricky fowler when he went with butch Harmon. so i think you know glover as he gets you know a different voice and what he needs to be doing um you know and when you're comparing it along the lines of what you were talking about for the age, recently we had Phil Mickelson win a major, you know, the PGA Championship at 50 years old. So, you know, in this sport, it's not out of the question to, to perform well up near your 50s. But, um, you know, when you're running poorly and re- refine that form, I think a lot of it has to do with changing coaches and getting a different voice. Jeff Sherman is our guest. So I know you got NHL. A season total win odds here overall. Tell me about that because the Golden Knights, our listeners who are listening all, listening all over, know they won the Cup, and we don't know if there's going to be a letdown or not. What do you have for hockey? Yeah, we just got up the NHL regular season point totals for all the teams, and the Knights are starting out at 103.5, which is second in their division behind Edmonton at 106.5. So if you look at the division odds, obviously the Oilers are the favorite there. Uh, closely behind the Knights are the Kings at 101.5. So it looks to be a, a hotly contested division amongst those three teams. Uh, and then a, a bit of a drop-off. He got down to Seattle at 93.5. So uh, it should be interesting with those three teams battling it out. I'm assuming Boston is going to be a high-up team when it comes to total points overall. That was a fluke with the best record, the President's Trophy, that they collapsed early in the postseason. Are they expected to bounce back? 
Yeah, uh, a lot of regression from our end mm-hmm. on that. You know, they finished with 135 points last year, and we adjusted them down to 97 and a half with all the players that they have lost in the off season. Uh, we've taken some over money though, and they're up to 98 and a half. But uh, we made quite a large adjustment on the Bruins downward. Uh, Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate, the uh, senior vice president, risk management. NBA win totals very interesting to me now. This is sharp because you got that early tournament. You know, they're going to be players that want the bonus, the money. They're going to want to play harder than they used to heading into Christmas, where the season technically started on Christmas Day. Do you expect uh, there to be more passion for the sport from the players, and that would increase the win total for the elite teams? Well, you know, for that in-season tournament, four regular season games count towards that Mm in-season tournament. So you can look at that uh, in the basis of these win totals. Um, you know, you might see an extra effort, but I think that you're going to see some teams that traditionally aren't involved in the playoffs or haven't gone too far putting extra emphasis on it. And one of the teams that stands out to me are the Sacramento Kings and the direction they're going. But it's been so long since they've really done anything pertinent that I think winning an in-season tournament like that would mean much more to them than, say, Milwaukee or Boston. But um, they're a team that I'm looking at for that tournament. Well, Jeff Sherman, as we wrap it up. So, Jeff, tell our listeners – what it's like and what's the handle been like this year on preseason football? It just started. There's a couple of games left, but are you noticing a trend coming in here? More and more people realizing they might have a little bit or think they have a better advantage in the preseason with the knowledge they have locally compared to when the regular season starts where they're just going up against the sharpest minds in the world and the best bookmakers? Well, you know, all the preseason is driven by is information and mm-hmm. what the coaches let out there and what you see on Twitter, and that really shapes the market. And then game day is when the public gets involved in it, and they'll get their parlays and, you know, maybe follow some of that information. But you see rather large line moves. I mean, even this week, uh, you have Denver at San Francisco, and the 49ers opened up a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Now Denver's a four-and-a-half-point road favorite mm-hmm. just because they came out and said that the Broncos expect to play their starters around the fir- first half. So... Uh, you'll see large swings based on that information. Uh, but like I said, most of the, uh, the support comes in day of the game from the public. So Aiden O'Connell didn't shorten the odds for the Raiders going forward with that great performance? Well, you know, he, he got some money as far as being a road favorite at the Rams, yeah. where they're over they're three and a half point road favorite at this juncture yeah. when they open less than that. Uh, but for the futures, we've actually seen some money show up on them after this past mm. week, but they're still sitting at 80 to 1 for the Super Bowl. We haven't adjusted the number. Thank you, Jeff. Talk to you in a few weeks. All the best. All right. Thanks, JT. That's Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate. 80-1 to 1 on the Raiders to win the Super Bowl here in Vegas. Super Bowl being played in Vegas. 80-1, to 1, right? You got a 20 to throw on that at those odds? Just throw it there. You got a 50? You want to just stick in an envelope, man? Take that 50 on the Raiders to win the Super Bowl and just put it in the back drawer there in your closet? Or are you going to hold on to that? I think a lot of people are going to hold on to that. I don't think a lot of people are going to have the Raiders winning the Super Bowl this year. But Raider fans... I think they're excited to bet individual games, and they'll jump in when they feel that the Raiders are rocking at the right time. Expect a big handle here in Vegas on the Raiders like we get every year. Modelo, the official cerveza of the Raiders and the official beer of fans with the fighting spirit. Modelo, rooted in the heart of Raider Nation. Drink responsibly, imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. When we come back, two more interviews next hour. Your phone calls on the one need left for the Raiders in the preseason. Only two more preseason games going. What are the needs? Linebacker, right tackle, interior offensive line. I think they're pretty loaded up in the interior of the defense and as edge rushers. Linebacker jumps out at me and pretty much nothing else. 
702-365-9200. Johnny Katz from the Review Journal coming up next on the relaunch of Virgin Hotels, formerly the Hard Rock.